I am. The Lord is holy and there is no one like him. He is truly worthy of all of our praise as we have sung about this morning. And so as we get ready to transition into the preaching part of the service, I invite you uh, to take a moment with me as we ask the Lord to open our eyes and our hearts to confess any sins that we have and just to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us personally this morning. And I'm going to read to us from Psalm 1 to prepare our hearts in this time of confession. So I'll read these verses and then we'll, as we normally do, take a few moments in quiet prayer and then I'll lead us together. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Lord God, we come before you this morning as your people asking you to minister to us through your Holy Spirit and by your word. We ask that you would cleanse us of sin, Lord God, and that we could get out of the way so that uh, you could be magnified and glorified in everything that we do here, Lord. Help us to hear your word and more than that to obey your word. And we give you praise this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning I am going to continue in the series that we started the struggle is real and we're going to look at another topic today but before we do that I'm gonna ask you to just do a little something with me today if you're able to would you raise up your right hand just raise it on up there now keep it up there now raise up your left hand now look around for a minute just look around now you've all seen yourselves raising your hands so you can praise and worship in here and you don't have to feel you don't have to feel goofy anymore because now everybody has seen you with your hands up in the air. So I went ahead and got rid of that excuse because I know there's people in here that want to worship and you think, man, if we're Baptist and if I put my hands up, they're going to think something's wrong with me. So now everybody's seen you, so we got that out of the way. So now, 1 Corinthians 15 is where we're going to be. And the title of my message today is The Struggle is Real Death. So don't think, man, that's a morbid topic. We're supposed to be talking about recognizing first responders, and we're going to talk about death. But I promise you, I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to you, not something that causes you to be brought into despair. I do hope it causes you to consider your life in view of eternity, especially if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but I do hope that this message is an encouragement to you. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I won't have you stand this morning. Uh, I'm going to read a few verses from 1 Corinthians 15, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Beginning at verse 50. So 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, has this to say in conclusion of this great chapter on the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of all believers because of their uh, union with him I tell you this brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God 
nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you today that in Christ our greatest enemy has already been defeated. Lord, we thank you today that you would lay down your life freely for us and that three days later you would take it up again so that we would have the assurance and the promise to know that in Christ we are more than conquerors that we have life beyond this temporary passing world. Lord, we rejoice in that, and I pray that we find strength in that today. And most of all, I pray for the one here today that is lost and still in their sins, that doesn't have that claim, that doesn't have that promise, that they would see their need for Jesus, and that they would, by faith, receive Him today. We give you thanks, Lord, for just this opportunity to worship you. And it's in your name we pray and believe. Amen. Thank you. On eight, at 8.45 in the morning on Tuesday, September 11th, everything was normal. People were working, going to school. Life was routine. One minute later, everything changed. At 9.03, it changed again. At 9.37, it changed again. And at 10.03, it changed one more time. We never know from moment to moment, second to second, how life can change. Death is not natural. It's just not. We know that God created everything in six days and rested on the seventh. And he told our first parents that they could have dominion over everything and they could enjoy his presence. But one stipulation was given. And it was through that one command that the enemy tempted them and caused them to be plunged into disobedience and ultimately sin that would bring about death and destruction and the curse that we see all around us every day. But death is not natural. We know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. I think we understand those things. But still, even knowing those things, death shocks us, it saddens us, and it even surprises us sometimes because it's not a natural thing for us especially when a death occurs as a result of an accident 
or if it's premature, if it happens to someone younger. We may expect that a 90-year-old person would die, but we never expect that a baby would. And we may be able to somehow comprehend a little bit a terminally ill cancer patient, patient dying, but we wrestle more when some teenager on vacation gets killed in a boating accident. There's different circumstances. For some people, it's not so much dying that they're fearful of, but just the process of it, just the thought of going through that transition troubles them. And I thought a lot about this week, especially with 9-11, you know, and all the lives that were lost. And even today with the COVID situation and how many people have lost their lives as a result of that, that death is not natural. And no matter how much we, we try to think about it and rationalize it, and maybe we desensitize ourselves to it to some degree, it's not natural. It's just not. And I thought about, you know, soldiers on the battlefield that have looked into the eyes of their dying brothers and they knew that they weren't going to make it home alive. I thought about nurses and therapists and all these folks that have had to look into the eyes of dying patients on ventilators and hold their hands and, you know, be sometimes the only one there since family can't be with them. It's just tragic. And that's not natural. It's not. I thought about police and firefighters and EMTs that have shown up on the scenes of accidents and done everything they could, but knowing in the back of their mind that this trauma, this traumatic event is probably too bad to be able to save and, and look into the eyes of those folks knowing that they're trying to stay strong and they're trying to care for this person, but in the back of their mind they know that they're not going to make it because they face those things, and it's not natural. It's just not. And so we think about those kind of events, and, and, and it stirs something in us. But I want you to consider this. As you look around the room again this morning, that you're looking into the faces of dying people. And I don't want that to sound morbid, but it's a reality. Everybody in this room is dying. We're all headed towards that destiny. We don't know when or how, but we have a certain appointment with that. And not just us, not just people. Friends, the whole world is dying. 1 John 2.17, John writes that the world is passing away, along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. The world is passing away. Not only did our first parents usher in death to the human race, they ushered in death to the whole world. The creation, Romans says, is groaning like a mother going through birth pains. And a lot of times we think about death and we wonder, well, why doesn't, why doesn't God intervene? Why is there all this death? Why is there all this sadness and brokenness? And we become so focused on the now that we forget that God did do something. He has done something. He has done something, my friend. He gave His life in your place 
Not that you will be able to forego physical death, but that you will be able to receive eternal life forever with Christ, where He will make all things new, where He will right all wrongs, and where death won't ever be an issue again. We struggle with it here and now, but we won't always struggle with it. And I thought about how to preach this message in a way that would be biblical, but also give you encouragement. Because I think, I think we look at this topic sometimes and we think, how can we talk about death and be encouraged? Because all we relate it to is heartache and pain and finality. But I think that there is so much hope that we can draw from, from, a, from this time and, and this topic. If you look behind you, you'll notice that there's one way into this sanctuary, not counting the emergency doors, but there's one way in. But then when you look up here, there are two um, exits. Friends, there's, there's one way, and we all came into this life the same way. But there's two ways you can leave. You can either die in Christ, or you can die without Christ. And which one of those you are this morning will have eternal ramifications. There's one door to inherit eternal life. One way, not many. And what you do with that will determine which door you go out of. So every time you come in this sanctuary, I hope you think about that. I hope you think that there is one way, and His name is Jesus. And if you don't know Him, you're headed out the opposite door to a place called hell where you're separated forever. And you'll go there by your own choosing because Christ is not willing that any should perish, that, that all should reach repentance. You have an opportunity when the gospel is preached and the Spirit draws you to respond to that. And to say no is to say, I'll stay in my sins, I'll stay lost, and God will honor your wishes. It's as simple as that. And so I want us to look back at our text this morning from 1 Corinthians 15, and I want to... I want to show you some things I hope will help you as a believer, and I want to show you some things that ought to, hopefully through the Spirit of God, cause you to consider eternity if you're not ready for that this morning. Paul says in verse 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Something has to happen to you, to all of us, to be able to enter God's kingdom. Jesus told a very religious man in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 3. Probably one of the most well-known sayings, maybe misunderstood sayings, but well-known sayings in all of Scripture. He looked at a man named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a religious man who knew the law, who kept the law, who would have put us to shame in right living and morality. And Jesus looked at him, and he didn't speak in King James English, but I'm going to this morning. 
He said, Verily, verily, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15.50? I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care how hard you try. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care what plan you have. God says that there is no chance for anybody inheriting the kingdom of God unless a change takes place and you can't initiate that change. There is nothing you or I can do to change who we are and to change our hearts. That takes being born again or born from above. There was a time in my life when I was lost. I know that probably everybody in this room except, except probably my wife only knows me as Pastor Chris. But I wasn't always Pastor Chris. There was a time in my life when I didn't care anything about God. There was a time in my life when all I wanted to do was live for the world. There was a time when I would steal anything that wasn't bolted down. There was a time on Friday nights when I'd stand out in front of the Westview Market on Millville Avenue with me and some of my buddies and we'd wait for some drunk to come along and we'd give him a few bucks and when he went in to buy his beer, he'd buy our beer too. And then we'd go down the street to where my buddy lived on Westview and we'd sit in the back room and wait for his uncle to get off second shift at Champion and come home with a bag of weed so we could get high and drink beer. That was my weekends. I wasn't thinking about church. I wasn't thinking about preaching. I wasn't thinking about a picnic afterwards. I was thinking about having fun, or at least what I thought was fun. Until I got a job at a factory that I hated, and I complained every day because I didn't want to be there. But Mom made me get a job because I had to pay some bills, and she wasn't going to take care of my lazy butt anymore. So I had to get a job, and I got a job, and I started to make a little bit of money. And so then I could go out and have more fun, more fun in the world. Some of you are still doing that now. You went out last night and had fun, and now you're here this morning because you got to be. Or maybe you think if you come here today, that cancels out the fun that you had last night. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. Coming to church don't make you born again. And anyway, I got this job, and I was working down there, and ran into this guy. God put this guy in my path. He put this guy in my path and just an old hillbilly. That's what he was. He'd tell you he was. Just an old hillbilly. I shouldn't say old. He was younger than me. He was younger than I was. And he had a smile on his face every day, always chewing gum. He'd always have this piece of gum, this big goofy grin on his face, chewing that gum. How you doing, Chris? That's what he'd say. I'd say, man, I'm, I'm good. How are you? Why are you so happy? It's 7 o'clock in the morning. What's wrong with you? And he'd, he, you know, he'd say, I'm, I'm just glad to be alive. Lord bless me with another day, chewing that gum. And, you know, he'd, he'd come over there. And, and so I had him. And then if that wasn't enough, I got moved to another area of the shop, and I had to work with a preacher. You think, you think God doesn't know what he's doing? So I got the, the goofy hillbilly coming over every morning, telling me he's blessed, 
because God gave him another day. And then I got the preacher sitting there next to me reading his Bible. So I'm thinking, man, what is going on here? I am out of my element with these two. And so, you know, they, they got together and conspired that they were going to work on me. And so he came up, the, the maintenance guy, the, the young guy came up one day, and he said, uh, he said hey, I want to ask you something. And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, if you died, would you go to heaven? I was thinking, man, that's a weird question. But, well, sure, I'd go to heaven. And he said, well, why, why do you say yes? And I said, well, I would go to heaven because I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And, and he said, well, he said, I want to ask you to do me a favor then. He said, I would like you to, to get a Bible. And he said, I would like you to read the Gospel of John, one chapter a day for 21 days. Just read it with an open mind. He said, and, and let's just talk about whatever it is that comes to your heart. And I thought, all right, I'm going to do that. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, this guy and this preacher are driving me nuts. This guy probably didn't graduate, this preacher probably didn't graduate from the third grade. And this, this old hillbilly aren't smarter than me. So I'm going to get this Bible, and I'm going to read this thing, and I'm going to show these guys how stupid they are, and they're going to leave me alone. And so that's what I did. I went home and I said, Mom, I need a Bible. And she said, well, we got a Bible, and here it is. This is the little Bible. This is all I had, this little paperback Catholic Bible. It's all ripped up and torn up now, but it wasn't like that when I got it. And, and I started reading that thing, and I'll never forget, I started reading this, and I, I didn't, you know, watch television that much, still don't watch it all that much. And I turned on the TV one night after I was reading this, and this television show came on, Miracles of the Bible. <laughs> and so I'm watching Miracles of the Bible. i got my Bible sitting there. And then this show kind of went into these things where, like, there's, there's these supposed modern-day miracles, like they have a statue of the Virgin Mary that supposedly cries and all kinds of stuff like that. And so the, but, but even though that stuff was kind of strange, God used that. Because now I'm reading the Bible, and now I've watched this show, and i got these questions. And so I come to work the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and rather than, you know, disproving this guy and discrediting this guy, I start asking these questions. And I start wondering about these things. And I don't know how far I got. I don't know how far into that challenge of John that I got. probably wasn't too far. But I'll never forget, I came home. We lived, me and my, my wife, we weren't married. We was living together at the time. We lived in a little apartment behind the United Dairy Farmers on Brookwood Avenue. Very first apartment, top right window. And I'll never forget, I came home, and I was reading this Bible, and I turned on the television, and John Hagee was on there. Now, I'm not a huge John Hagee fan, because, I mean, you know, anymore, especially because everything is, everything is about... The, the next lunar cycle and the Lord's coming back. We've, we've had, you know, all these things and this is the one, this is the one. And, you know, one of these times it is going to be the one. But regardless, he was preaching a series not on end time stuff. He was preaching on the family of all things. And, and I don't even remember what his message was. 
But I remember I had this open to John, probably about John 6, somewhere around in there, 5, 6. And John Hagee's preaching, and I'm reading, and the Holy Spirit's working. And I got to a place that day where I said, I am lost. Didn't even know what that meant, but I knew I was lost. And I'll never forget it. We had a, used to have them big old entertainment centers. You remember those before the TVs hung on the wall and you had the big old television in the entertainment center and the thing weighed about as much as a Buick and you sat there and in the bottom of that entertainment center it had doors you could open and shelves in there. And I'll tell you my age, I, that, that, that curio cat or that entertainment center was full, plumb full of VHS tapes. VHS stacks of them with nothing but pornography on them. I was addicted to that stuff so bad, and I'll never forget. And I'm just thinking, man, I am lost. I am lost. But it, something happened that day, and I bagged up, bagged up all that garbage and threw it in the trash, and I went in the bedroom and looked out the window, and there was a big tree. They cut it down now, but there was a big tree out in front of that apartment. And there was these two little kids just playing. Playing out in front of that tree, just little kids playing. And this, it was a beautiful day like this. The sun was shining. And I looked out there, man, and that, that sun just looked different. Like everything looked different. The grass looked greener. The sky looked bluer. And I was watching those kids. And I just felt like, like the Lord just said, you're like a little child now. You know, that change that, that Paul talks about. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Verily, verily, I say to you, unless a man be born again, he cannot inherit the kingdom of God. If You don't have to know the exact day and date and have it written down on a card, but there has got to be a time in your life where you realize that you were lost, where you were honest about your position before a holy God. And maybe you were like me and said, well, I, I'll go to heaven because I'm good enough. But maybe you're banking on mom and dad's faith or grandma and grandpa's faith and you think, well, they was Christians. Maybe you think because you're a Republican that Jesus is, is going to accept you or you live in a Christian nation. I got news for you. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care if you're a Baptist church member, a registered Republican, it doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. It matters if you've repented of your sins and trusted Christ. And he will transform you, my friend. He will change you. And he can do that today. If you're here, if you're watching and you're lost, death will no longer be a problem for you. But if you're lost, death is a big problem today. Not just the physical death that all of us will experience, but death is a doorway into eternity and you're headed out the wrong door without Christ. You're going the wrong way. Faster than you can count on. One minute, 8.45, things were normal. 8.46, the world changed on September 11th. You are a heartbeat away from eternity. And if you die lost, you don't get to come back and do it again. There's no reincarnation. There's no second chance. There's no purgatory. There's heaven or hell. And what you do with Jesus determines that. 
Paul says, he says, we shall be changed. Not we might be changed, we could be changed. He says we shall be changed. There is a definite change that happens. Now obviously Paul is talking about our resurrected bodies that we will inherit to go with our born-again spirits. But what I'm telling you is, even before you die, there is a change that takes place for every true believer. And one of these days, very soon, I believe, God is going to come back. You can argue your position on eschatology, and that makes for good talk around the table, but at the end of the day, all I can tell you for certain is the Lord is coming back. He is coming back that much, I know, for sure. I, I may be off on the timing, but I'm definitely certain of the, the, the return itself. I think about what Paul is saying here. We will not sleep. He's saying we're not going to stay dead. These bodies are not going to stay in the ground. They're going to come up out of the ground. They are going to be changed I think about what he wrote to the church in Thessalonica. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. What a comforting truth to know that the Lord is going to bring us out of this world either through death or through the rapture but one way or another we are going to be united with the one who saved us for all of eternity I've been thinking a lot about heaven lately I don't know why I guess just with the world the way it is it just seems like a place I long for a little bit more and so I'm gonna try to sing this song I'm not sung this song before but it's just been on my heart this week and I felt like I felt like it uh, it just went well with this so guys if you want to play this song it's called Don't That Sound Like Heaven There's a window in I can close my eyes and see where there are no earth and the soul there is set free where the deaf and dumb are shouting cause the blind can finally see all those crippled legs Cross that crystal. There's a special place where those unborn babies play and they're rocking on All those unwanted children 
pray that you are ready for that place called heaven because you can be today I close with this thought Paul says in verses 56 and 57 the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus our Lord the victory comes because someone came and lived the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserved and that that grave couldn't keep him. Three days later, he rose again. And my friends, because he lives, we can live tomorrow and face tomorrow. Just like that old hymn says, we have victory in Jesus. I'm going to invite the praise team to come. And I want you to think about this. It's appointed unto men once to die. 
and after this the judgment. Almost 3,000 people died on that terrible day on 9-11. And I don't know how many of them were ready to step into eternity. But God has graciously given us in this room today an opportunity. An opportunity to hear the gospel. Maybe some of those folks never got to hear the gospel. But you have today. There is a Jesus. He is the Son of God. And He loves you. And He proved His love for you that while you were yet sinners, He died for you. He went to the cross on your behalf. And He paid the debt that you owed. But that death and that sacrifice does not become personal until you turn from your sins and by faith receive it. It's a gift that He offers. But you have to receive the gift. And you do that by faith. You don't do it by trying harder. You don't do it by showing up to church. You don't do it by saying some magic words. You do it by casting your whole self on Christ like I had to do 20 some years ago in an apartment building. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about church. I can guarantee you if you're in this room today, you know more about God than I did. But buddy, in that moment, all I knew is I needed him. And I grabbed hold of his hand. And that's all I ask you to do this morning is just grab hold of his hand. And he'll do the rest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that death doesn't have the final say. That, Lord, we can know for sure today where we're headed because Christ has paid the debt and he has made the promise that all who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, it's my prayer today that we are strengthened in our faith to go out in the world and tell people that we have the best news in the world. If you're saved today, I pray that we will take that gospel message and run with it. And I pray today if someone here is lost, that they would run to the Savior and find eternal life in Him alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, I think you know what you need to do. I think God makes it clear in those moments. The only question is, will you? Thank you.